0: So today, I want to talk a little bit about uh, spiritual fatherhood of a priest. Um, we, we call priests father all the time. All right? Someone said to me the other day, oh, I'm sorry I called you father. I guess that was to refer to the fact that I'm a Monsignor. But I said, no, please call me father. All right, That's OK. Um, and it's really more than just a title for a priest. Uh, historically, the patriarchs themselves we not just biological fathers. They were not just those who, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob beginning the people of Israel. They were also spiritual fathers too. Abraham is called our father in faith. Even in the Old Testament, it is the father of the family that takes on a priestly role at the Passover. When we get to the New Testament, We also see the importance of fatherhood among those who are carrying the gospel to others. The apostles speak of their ministry in terms of paternity. Like, for instance, St. John, who in his first letter seven times calls the disciples his little children. Peter calls Mark my son. We know that St. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, says, Even if you should have countless guides to Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The desert monks are called fathers. St. Ignatius of Antioch, and that's the end of the first century or so, refers to a supernatural paternity of bishops. And priests. Those of you who are deacons know the phrase when you come before the priest before the proclamation of the gospel. You're blessing Father. And you know, that's, that's, that's also when a bishop is there. You, never, you don't say you're blessing bishop, you say you're blessing Father. Father. It's uh, there's a priest who has a a book on priestly celibacy, Father Salin, who says, although priests are those who usually are considered spiritual fathers, the stronger witness of fatherhood actually belongs to the bishop. So it's really the, the ministerial priesthood fatherhood is something that the bishop has in its fullness because he is the fullness of the priesthood. As priests, we share in a fatherhood. We receive, in a certain sense, an ordination that fatherhood that the bishop himself has over the flock, the portion of the people of God, the church uh, in his care. And so that's why priests are called father. Now, we live that fatherhood in a number of ways. As priests, we live it first and foremost in our Celibate love, all right, or celibate chastity. The term bridegroom describes the relationship with the whole people of God. So we say we are the bridegroom of the bride, which is the church. But spiritual fatherhood can best describe the relationship with individual members of the body of Christ. That's a way in which we can also say, yes, I am the Bridegroom of the church, and I am father to and in this way with this person and with these people. That's, what, that's why the Second Vatican Council, in its uh, document on uh, priestly ordination, Presbyterium Ordinis, says about priests, he says, they adhere to him more easily with an undivided heart precisely because they are celibate. It goes on to say, they dedicate themselves more freely in him and through him to the service of God and men, and they are expeditiously ministers to his kingdom and the work of heavenly regeneration. And thus, they are apt to accept, in a broad sense, paternity in Christ. So first and foremost, our way of celibacy is a great gift. It is a charism, But it is a way in which priests, suitably, if you will, live spiritual paternity. It accentuates in a certain sense and aids spiritual fatherhood. And it does that insofar as the celibate priest renounces the fatherhood according to the flesh in order to exercise in the fullest possible manner fatherhood according to the spirit. That renunciation, that cross of not being married, has a positive side to it. And that is so that I can, in its fullest sense, be a spiritual fatherhood to my people. Now, how does one, if you will, begin to live fatherhood in the priesthood? At first, it might sound a bit shocking, but the best way to be a father is to be a good son, right? As a matter of fact, just from our own family experience, you know that you learned about fatherhood from your father insofar as you were his son. I remember when I, when I was uh, ordained just a couple of years, and my father, my father died when I was three years ordained, and I remember thinking shortly after his death, uh, just reflecting upon his influence on me, and I th- it just suddenly struck me in my prayer, you know, I learned to be a father, that is, the father as a priest, first and foremost from my own father. And I, I really do believe he was a very holy, good man, and encouraged me in my, my priesthood. But more than that, and I think fundamentally, it was because I was his son, that I and received his fatherhood that I was best able to learn at the beginning especially and at the foundation of my own human character how to be father so the first step in living better our fatherhood is recovering if you will and living well our divine filiation as priests Even though everyone is going to call you father, remember, you're first the father's son. God the father, after showing his love in creating the universe, he creates man and redeems him in his son, making them his children. Not by nature, but by grace. St. Augustine puts it this way. By an abramal condescension, the Son of God, the only begotten by nature, has become a son of man so that we who are sons of men by nature might become sons of God by grace. He gives each and every one of us a share in his divine life. He first gives, in a certain sense, birth to us as his children. And then through ordination, Gives priests the power to do as he has done, to, in a certain sense, collaborate with God's creative and generative power to make, generate sons and daughters. So, therefore, our priestly paternity is based on our divine filiation. And you know, this filiation, this sonship in Christ, is not simply a metaphor. It's real. We have been changed. Aquinas affirms that grace is a quality in the soul. God infuses in us supernatural qualities so that man might be moved to acquire eternal good. He says, like whiteness making a thing white, and justice, making something just. So grace makes man a sharer in divine goodness. Thus grace, Aquinas says, is said to be created in so much as man, as men are created with reference to it. That is, they're given new being out of nothing. He has created, if you will, in us by grace, Something new out of nothing. He's created us his sons. Right? So we priests are sons who then are given through ordination that power to continue the same kind of creative act of God, divine generation, so that we have more sons and daughters of God. It's an incredible, incredible gift. If I, I think I've, I've said this, especially to the men when they first come in. I always say to them, you know, listen, I want you all to be like me. You know, not, I'm not Michael Jordan, but um, be like Mike. I, was that, that's a little too old of a reference, sorry. <laughs> um, but I do want you to be like me. I want you to be like me insofar as I'm a priest. I, would, I want you to be priest. Now, God may choose uh, hopefully most of you, but not necessarily all of you. But it's an incredible privilege to be as I am, to have been created, if you will, in in ordination as a co-creator with God to generate new life and new sons and daughters. I want that for you. I want that for you. And if that's God's will, grasp it, hold on to it, cherish it, thank God for it, and respond to that call with your whole heart. Now if we look at the the three munera of the priest in each one we can see his divine fatherhood his paternity First is of course the munus docendi the teaching office There's so many people in our world that are confused right They lack a compass about their own moral lives about objective truth, about the meaning of life. They need the gospel. And our preaching and teaching is a powerful act of the Holy Spirit that engenders, that generates life in the soul. We we hear this from St. Paul in his letter to the Romans when he says, But how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? By preaching and teaching, you bring people to faith or deepen that faith so that the life of Christ is alive in them as sons and daughters of God our Father. Pope Benedict, in a general Wednesday audience back in 2010, observed this. He said, today, in the midst of what he calls the educational emergency, the munus ducendi of the church, exercised concretely through the ministry of each priest, is particularly important. We are very confused about the fundamental choices in our life and questions what the world is, where it comes from, where we are going, what we must do in order to do good, how we should live and what the truly pertinent values are. Right? We can't even figure out what a man and a woman is right these days, right? Therefore, he says, the priest does not teach his own ideas, a philosophy that he's invented, that he's discovered, that he likes. He doesn't speak of himself, Pope Benedict says. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't try to attract admirers to himself or create, he says, a party on his own. He does not say his own thing. He proposes the truth that is Christ himself, his word and his way of living and of moving ahead. What Christ said of himself applies to the priest, my teaching is not my own. So when we hand on the teaching of the church, of the gospel, it helps people gain an understanding of the meaning of life and of truth and of who they are in God's plan. It helps bring them to faith and generates that life within them. It is truly a paternal ministry. So that's why preaching on weekdays and especially on Sundays is so critically important today. I bet you that you know people leaving most of our churches most Sundays are going to be talking about the homily. Good or bad, right? But that's what they're going to be talking about. And so putting time and effort into its preparation Never being satisfied that you've, you've, you've done you know, all that you could possibly do and can't improve. No, always trying to improve this ministry, this munas ducendi. So that really sometimes souls that are dead in sin can be brought back to life because of your preaching, because of your teaching, because they receive received the word of faith in what you have said. That's fatherhood. And so, preaching, teaching, bringing uh, to to people uh, to a greater understanding of the scriptures, of the teachings of the church, all of this is indispensable to priestly fatherhood. But then, of course, we get to the next munas, the munas sanctificandi, right? The sanctifying office of a priest. This is where I think we can very powerfully and clearly see the fatherhood, the the paternity of a priest. No man on his own, relying on his own power, can put another in touch with God, Pope Benedict says. An essential part of the priest's grace is the gift, the task, of creating this contact. By way of, of the celebration of the sacraments, a priest creates contact with Christ. Celebrating and living intensely the Holy Mass And paying attention to the details. The very act of distributing Holy Communion is an act of fatherhood. An act of nourishing children. The children of God. Making sure that when we do celebrate the sacraments, whether it's the Mass or the other sacraments, we do so with reverence and prayerfulness and intention. St. John of Damascus says of the Divine Liturgy, we may be inflamed and deified by the participation in the divine fire. By way of the Muna Sanctificandi, the Father, the priest, spreads that fire. Right? Grace. In particular, also, let me just say a few words about the sacrament of penance that is a very powerful experience that none of you yet have, but hopefully will have soon. Every confession is a way of giving life. Someone's in venial sin is the forgiveness of their venial sins and an increase in grace. Someone in mortal sin enters that confessional dead. Their life is over and they leave resurrected because of your words of absolution. If that's not fatherhood, I don't know what is. And finally, the munas regendi, the governing office or shepherding office. Every father of a family, as you know, governs, shepherds, has charge in union with his wife. They guide children, they raise the children, they nourish the children. But it's an authority that's focused not on themselves, but on their children. Authority is not something one claims, but what one receives. And authority is never for the one exercising the authority. It's not for me. It's for the person being served by that authority, by that regendi. In service of the good of that person. Thus it becomes an icon of God's authority. An authority which is humble. An authority which is geared toward service. The hierarchy does not mean that we ought to have dominion over others, but it's part of the whole matrix of communion of love. It's an act of loving service. Again, Pope Benedict says, authority makes of the individual a servant of Christ, and only as a servant of Christ can he govern and guide for Christ and with Christ. Therefore, he is not an autocrat, but he enters into a new bond of obedience to Christ. Jesus' own way of shepherding and governing was not by dominion, but by humble and loving service. He washed their feet at the Last Supper. If that's not a clear indication of how we ought to govern, I don't know what is. It's precisely at the Last Supper in which we receive the sacrament of holy orders, in which our Lord ordained his apostles. And he does so in the context of the Eucharist, the confecting of the Eucharist, and also the washing of feet to be an explanation, if you will, an example of the style of leadership, you might say, that of service. Finally, let me just say a few words about forming disciples. So we have these three munera, a way in which a priest is able to live out his paternity, his fatherhood. But in particular, it's also to be forming disciples. Throughout those three munera, it's, it's about making disciples, right? And in some sense, making disciples so that they will make disciples, Right? So it's a generative look at the people that are given to your care and seeing in them, yes, sons and daughters, that you as their father want to build up the life of Christ in them. But at the same time, you want them to also spread that generativity to others. We must not forget that Priestly fathers, in some sense, need to be grandfathers. Only in the sense, not that you're going to be old old men, right? But only in the sense that you're looking at this son or daughter as someone who could also help generate a son or daughter, right? The forming of disciples who will form disciples. So that's why, as priests, we need to have, in a certain sense, a grandfatherly eye for those who could be really good apostles and form other disciples. In particular, I would say, especially in fostering vocations to the priesthood, because you want to see in young men, ah, here's a man I think could be a priest. That's kind of a grandfatherly eye. Right, because you want then, because you know that if he does have a vocation to priesthood and he does become a priest, he is going to be a father for others. And so we shouldn't give in to the pessimism of some people today that say, "Well, you know, we just can't encourage more vocations. The 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 graph is going to continue to decline. We're just not going to see." No, 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 no. It's not a Lord. Our Lord didn't say that or see that at all. You know, he called boldly and even as seminarians to begin that habit of looking to form other fathers, looking for young men who might be able to say yes and have a call to the priesthood, help form them in a life of prayer, in a life of virtue. And I have have this sense, just in my own priestly ministry, that all you really have to do is just help form a saint in a young man. As he's formed as a saint, as he's formed as a son of God, he will more clearly see what God wants of him and have the strength to respond. Just beginning with an intense formation is enough. Even if it's just basic spiritual direction, teaching, teaching, Inviting, you know, young men to take advantage of the sacraments of the church, like the sacrament of penance on a regular basis. Just doing those things in, in an intense and intentional way can bring forth a flowering of priestly vocations. And so, my dear sons, we right, turn to St. Joseph as a model of paternity, asking him to be a model for us on our way of helping us who is a man who, be, who had a son without begetting him in the flesh. This is perhaps, as Pope John Paul II says, an example, a type of fatherhood that's proposed to us as priests. Someone who begot not in the flesh, but in the spirit. It is St. Joseph that shows us a selfless service of a father with courage, with silence, with hard work, a man of prayer. Our Lord could rightly call Joseph father. As priest, many people will call you father. May you live your paternity well.